Oh yeah. Let's talk about making love. No, not that kind of making love. Did you know that the average person only spends half a percent of their life having sex? Here at Making Love Today, we learn from couples about what they do with the other 99.5% of their time to create meaningful, deeply fulfilling, and long-lasting relationships. So listen up as we hear what our guest couples do outside the bedroom to make their love work. And now, here's your host, Patrick Perkins. Hey everybody, welcome out to another episode of Making Love Today. I'm your host, Patrick Perkins, here to introduce another episode of our special bonus mini-series, Making Love Today, Love in the Time of Corona. If you're enjoying this mini-series thus far, or if you really just want to know when our regular episodes will be returning, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you know exactly when all of our new content is available. Go ahead and give us a five-star review as well. Both of these things help immensely in bringing more people to the podcast. For today's episode, we have another interview between Anne and one of her fellow therapists. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from Stephanie Black, who's a social worker therapist, and important for the episode, she's also a military wife. Anna Stephanie's interview is a powerful deep dive into a topic that doesn't get addressed all that often. What is life like? What are the hardships for those who have partners on the front line? Now, in Stephanie's case, her husband did multiple tours where he was on the front line in a wartime situation. Her knowledge and experience allows her to speak directly to those who have spouses or partners who are having to go out to the front line of the coronavirus pandemic on a daily basis. This can include doctors, retail workers, police officers, other medical professionals, and many more. From her experience as both a military wife and a therapist, Stephanie is able to speak directly to and relate with those who have partners on the front line and share really concrete and powerful examples about how all of us can be more supportive of those around us who may be in that situation. This is really a must-listen-to episode, as there's something in here for absolutely everybody. With that said, I'll go ahead and let Anne and Stephanie take it away. I'm here today with Stephanie Black. Stephanie, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Stephanie Black, licensed clinical social worker and licensed independent social worker. I am the wife of a Marine. We've been in the military for 13 years. I'm also a therapist specializing in trauma and addictions. There's a lot of similarities between what somebody might be experiencing if they or their spouse or both of them are frontline people in the pandemic. So going out every day and working in a hospital or working in a grocery store, or I've even heard from someone whose spouse is a truck driver, increased hours, heightened sense of danger. There's a lot of similarities between how they might be feeling and worries about their family. So I wanted to ask you about your experiences and the people that you've worked with, their experiences. What's the same and what's different right now that you're seeing for families that are involved in the pandemic, but also or differently in the military? Certainly, I would say it's a similar stress during the time that my husband was deployed, which was twice. He wasn't just away a lot. He was in a war zone. And it was a situation where I could not call him. I had to wait for him to call. In that way, it's similar as well. The healthcare workers, it's very demanding right now. And it's not just because they have to be gone at work a lot. It's also kind of scary. It's also life-threatening for some of them. The stress is there. It might be helpful for people who aren't experiencing it, that they're under a lot of stress. They're self-quarantined or staying at home. 
their families are all together. They're worried about people getting sick. Resources are getting scarce. And there's a lot of things that are happening that are scary and difficult. What's the difference between that and what it's like to have somebody who's on the front lines of this, who's going out every day? I've heard of some families where the parent who is in healthcare is self-isolating and staying in someone else's basement so they don't see their families or going and coming every day. And there's that elaborate ritual of having to get all your clothes washed and shower, trying to keep everybody safe, but still going out to work every day. I've seen people respond to the families of healthcare workers as if they were dangerous. That must just feel really isolating if you're the person and you're the kid or the spouse of somebody. And as soon as you tell the someone in your family who's out there, then even people who are six feet away from you don't want to be that close. Can you talk a little bit about what the difference might be and the feelings that are different? We have a close friend that is an anesthesiologist and works at the hospital here. He works insane hours and doesn't get to see much of his family. And because he's a healthcare worker, we don't get to see them at all. They don't get to ever be around people. A difference would be for us serving in the military, people are grateful to you. They want to be close to you, shaking your hand and saying thank you for your service to our country. But for our healthcare worker, everybody's so on edge. Nobody wants to catch it. Unfortunately, it doesn't just mean physical distance for a lot of these people. It also means kind of an emotional distance. It seems like it would feel similar to rejection, like emotional rejection, social rejection. I can completely empathize with those who are finding themselves in a position where it all falls on them to manage the household, to manage the children. While your children might be feeling stress because they're watching the news and you're feeling the stress, you're the one there that's trying to deal with your own stress, emotional and physical stress, and the stress of your children because your husband is gone. My children are very young, but they went with me to the funerals of Will's comrades that were killed and had their own questions. I feel like for children experiencing the stress of having the parent gone is one thing, but also the stress of being isolated from their friends. And if that isolation involves what might be perceived by children as social rejection, because they might be the children of healthcare workers or, heaven forbid, Chinese or Asian at all. I've seen Asian people receiving some persecution over this, as if it was their fault. That all falling on one parent, making household decisions, being the front line for when something breaks down at home, when you run out of something and you're the only one around that can run out and get it, self-care becomes imperative. There's a quote about when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I also believe that it's also true that when the going gets tough, the tough have to get more diligent and have to simplify, or it can quickly add to your being overwhelmed. That's really thoughtful. Diligence and simplification. What do you mean by that? Living in a first world country, we have a lot of worries that when experiencing a pandemic like this, it kind of takes us back to what really matters. It kind of takes us to ground level in some ways. There are things in our society and culture that might feel necessary and all of a sudden aren't when we're experiencing something like a pandemic. And so simplifying might mean redeciding what your priorities are. And sometimes that's a hard decision. For example, our internet went out at the beginning of this coronavirus quarantine. I didn't have backup for TV. What do you do? 
my kids did more reading. They spent more time outside. It was hard adjusting to that. But it turns out that in some ways it made life simpler. I love to cook. I love to make amazing, gorgeous meals. And sometimes that means having kind of exotic ingredients. And I'm learning that it's okay if I can't run out and get that stuff. In some ways, a simplification that was done for us. All of a sudden, soccer practice is canceled and play practice is canceled. And so things that seemed necessary that were part of our busy, hectic schedule are gone. We get to spend more time as a family. Hopefully that also means we're spending more time nurturing ourselves and each other. But that's another way that life has needed to become simpler. It's important for me that I make sure that I'm keeping my life simple so it doesn't add to the feeling of being overwhelmed. That's really important to remember. One of the things that's been happening in our family recently is that my son's getting a specific plan to help him. And I just talked to the school psychologist and she said, you're actually in charge. A lot of people don't understand that as the parent, you're in charge of your child's education and their experiences. And so we will listen to you throughout this whole process of figuring out what's best for him and how we can help him. Now I'm applying that to right now and what's being asked of us by the school or what he's supposed to finish or turn in. And I realized that I am in charge. I'm in charge of what this experience should be like. And it's really easy to give away that authority or those expectations and let somebody else come up with expectations for our day or what we're supposed to get done. And it's nice to have that reminder sometimes to be saying, I'm in charge of this. And it's a burden in a lot of ways to be in charge, but it's also freeing to realize that I can be in charge. And since it's temporary, there aren't lasting effects if he doesn't turn in all of his homework or if we don't get every single chore done every single day, or we could have the same meal over and over and everybody will just deal with it. You mentioned being more in charge of your kid's education. That's a great example. An area where parents are overwhelmed and all of a sudden you're a teacher too. All four of my children are in school. And I was gearing up to homeschool my oldest anyway. She's just entered middle school this year. And you're right. The feeling of being in charge of it myself gives me a certain measure of peace. I can make sure that my daughter gets a good education this way. But at the same time, I have to make sure my daughter gets a good education. And now all of my children fall into that for me. To be honest, I dropped the ball. My poor introvert daughter. Yesterday, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm like three days behind in her schoolwork. Keeping them on a schedule. It's so easy when everyone's at home. We don't have to be anywhere. We don't have a set schedule anymore. In times of stress, and we know this from research, that structure is extremely important when undergoing big changes and big stresses like this. It's important when we're mourning, and a lot of us are mourning. Maybe we're mourning the loss of a job. Maybe we're mourning the loss of a loved one who's passed away because of the pandemic. Having no structure contributes greatly to depression and anxiety. I'm trying to keep my kids to a schedule. And some days that's hard. If we start at nine, that means I have to be up at six so I can get my Bible study and my exercise and my basic self-care in before school starts at nine. And those things are essential. If I choose to stay in bed and wake up late or get on my phone instead of exercise, that little choice, that little decision, letting myself slide might feel like a favor to myself in the moment, but really it affects my mood 
and my thoughts even for the rest of the day. That's really important. As all of this started, we made a schedule, we made a chore chart, we got everything together and it went really well, except by week two, I realized I wasn't on the schedule and that wasn't working. And my disposition and my thought changed everything. I realized that I needed to be on that chart and that I too needed to be diligent. I think that's a great word as not soft with myself when it came to being good to myself and how well everything else went really depended on me being in that schedule too and being diligent about my own stuff that I needed to do, but also having good boundaries around it. And I'm not very good at that. What used to work doesn't work anymore. Have you felt that the difference between when your family is in sort of a deployment situation versus an everyday situation that self-care looks different or feels different? Absolutely. I feel like it's more essential in a high stress situation. You cannot depend on your spouse and please let's not depend on our children either. You can't depend on anyone else for those needs being met. It's really a time of self-accountability and self-responsibility as well. The responsibility for our own happiness and our own welfare rests squarely on our own shoulders. And that can be both intimidating, but also freeing. It can be a wonderful thing to be able to connect to yourself in that way. But it can also be scary because you are the one that drops the ball and you're the one affected by that. But if you can make time for yourself, that part is amazing that you can take care of yourself. You can structure your day. You can make the time to take care of yourself. If you need enjoyment, which everyone does, that's definitely one of the needs that I found must be there, especially in times of high stress. If you need enjoyment, you make the time, create the time. Sometimes we as parents feel guilty making our kids wait, but we as parents can gently ask our children to wait while we take a moment to meet our own needs. And that's important because we are better parents. And especially realizing that you're not going to get permission from your kids to do the right thing. And sometimes I want that. I want support. <laughs> I want permission. I want somebody to tell me that that's a good thing instead of resistance, which is usually what I get. <laughs> it's a lot of resistance for a lot of the right things to do. And meeting that resistance, I feel like we as parents, there's that guilty feeling that comes up all the time. But we need to remind ourselves that this is just adjusting. We're just adjusting to this. Anytime there's a change, anytime you implement a chore, if your children had to start taking medication to save their lives, that's kind of a dramatic example, but kids don't like to stop playing, to come and take a pill, swallow it. They don't like that anyway. It's not a very positive experience, but just because they don't want to do it, just because they're throwing a fit doesn't mean it's not still good for them. I kind of do the same thing with myself. Sometimes I'm throwing a fit and I'm resisting what's good for me. Yes. It's important to identify what things we need to do that's really refilling our cups or refilling our buckets and be vigilant of the things that easily fill our time that aren't filling our buckets. For example, time on Facebook or shopping for things that you don't need. For most of us, it's technology, but it feels like productive time or it feels like enjoyable time, but really a counterfeit is not necessarily the opposite. It's not necessarily eating a bunch of Twinkies or Oreos. Black is the opposite of white, but sometimes a counterfeit is like off-white or gray. 
And it's just close enough that it feels like it would be something that's filling your bucket, but it's not. In couple terms, there's a lot of things that we do together. So we feel like we're doing it together. It's the same thing, but done a little bit differently. So you can watch a show together and that feels like connecting, but sometimes it's not. I love the analogy of parallel play. Sometimes you're just having an experience in the same room instead of actually having the experience together. We can do that while we're out to dinner. We can do that as a family. There can be really connecting times as go out and play catch as a family or something. And you can do the exact same thing in a way that isn't very connecting at all. And I feel like some of the counterfeits look a lot like the things that would be helpful and nourishing, except they're actually not. You can have dinner together, but if everybody's on their phones or you're just yelling at each other about what you didn't get done that day, we can actually change the interactions to be much more nourishing. That's true of exercise and it's true of quiet time and restful time. You can rest in a way that isn't very restful. We're all guilty. (laughs) We all do it. But in times of stress, it's easier to fall into those and It takes more diligence and thoughtfulness to get ourselves to actually do it in a way that's much more nurturing or much more nourishing to ourselves or to our relationships. I just thought of a quote. Someone said, the tyranny of trivia consists in driving out the people and the moments that really matter. And we let the tyranny continue all too often. He said, minutia holds momentous things hostage. And I love that idea just being aware of those things that are the off-whites and the grays that are filling our time, but not filling our buckets, not filling our souls. Often for me too, right now, some of that minutia is worry. When you're in a position where you have legitimate worries, and we all have legitimate worries, the more precarious or difficult your situation, or the more you're worrying about family or how things are going to go in the future, that can also just be this little storm cloud of gnats buzzing around all the time taking my focus away from what I'm trying to do and it isn't nearly as impactful or as easy or as useful there's a mental diligence too that can be hard to achieve but peace of mind can't exist without it there's some mindfulness and meditation techniques that might help focus the mind and let that gnat cloud drift away for a while Just like we want to be diligent in taking control of our time, we can also be diligent in taking control of our thoughts. We can let outside forces determine for us how our time is used, and we can also let outside forces determine where our thoughts are, but we can also control that. When anxiety is high, depression is high, we can stop and take several deep breaths and recenter and calm our center. I was reading a study about the power of just bowing your head and how just that movement can have a calming effect on the entire nervous system. I love the research about the diaphragm, that the reason why the old wife's tale about counting to 10 before you make a decision, that's a real thing. And it's because when we take deep breaths that engage the diaphragm, when we send that breath all the way to the belly, the diaphragm is connected to the vagus nerve, which has a direct route to the brain. Deepening and slowing the breath also has that calming effect on the entire nervous system, and it can serve to recenter and stabilize us emotionally. And that is essential as well in times of stress, absolutely essential. What I love about breathing as an intervention is that you can do it in the middle of it all. 
it doesn't take 20 minutes and a quiet space and a special body position and peaceful music and all those things that we think we need in order to be able to calm down and recenter. Whatever I'm doing, I can take a deep breath. And I love that. And I need to do it probably more often than I do. So one of the things also that I've been doing with my kids, trying to get them calmed down, is heart-to-heart hugs. I feel like there's something, at least for me, just knowing that your heart is close to somebody else's heart. There's something physical that enhances the feeling of connection. You were talking about getting better at things and that when you take on more responsibility or you have more control, then it's important to increase your skill level. I found that as I was looking into the experience of military spouses is that the increase in pressure and the increase in expectations resulted in an increase of skills. They had to figure it out. They had to figure out how to get this done or fix that thing or do all the finances. And it occurs to me that in this situation, there's probably a lot of people who are exactly there, that they're being expected to do more or different than what they normally would. It's hard to learn a new skill when you're under a lot of pressure. That increase in pressure necessitates learning new things. Yeah, it really does. My husband's job being in the military, it's unpredictable at times. It just is. I get angry about it sometimes, but I married him and I knew he was in the military when I married him. So you have to be eternally flexible. Sometimes that means he's gone at a time where I've had to learn to unstop a toilet. I've had to learn how to install internet. I've had to learn to change a light fixture. Yeah, when it happens, I'm like cursing the military and I might be feeling intimidated and overwhelmed. Again, stopping and recentering and just taking a deep breath and being like, you know what? If I can't figure this out, there's someone that can. We're blessed that we have YouTube. All sorts of skills you learn when you don't have anyone else. For me, it's been essential to just stop and recenter. Those emotions, those fears, when they get queued up, you can't think clearly. You can't function, you can't get anything done. They certainly contribute to being overwhelmed and being depressed and being anxious. So it's essential for me to stop and take a deep breath and recenter and just think, okay, I got this. And if I don't, I do believe that I will be provided with something or someone that can. I feel like that vibe, that belief, it works. I've never been in a position, even when I initially thought it would be, I've never actually been in a position where I didn't get the help that I needed or I couldn't figure it out myself. So changing the mindset from like, oh no, I have to do this myself. Oh no, this is so terrible. Like my tile cracked and now what do I do? I hate to say fake it till you make it. But instead of having the thoughts that, oh no, this is terrible. Having the thought like, okay, I can do this. This is going to be fun. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be an adventure. Along with what you're saying, there's this idea that you have to choose between being strong and falling apart. And the reality is much more nuanced. There's a lot of moments where taking on that mentality of, okay, I can do this. This is hard, but I can do this. Or I love the idea of, I can learn this. This is all falling to pieces, but I can learn this. I can get better at parenting. I can get better at car maintenance. I can get better at whatever it is that I need to learn right now instead of saying, oh, I can't handle it. And all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. Mixed with moments of, 
it's okay to fall apart right now. I'm worried. I'm scared. I'm frustrated. And this is really overwhelming. And I'm just going to go ahead and feel all of those feelings because they're true for me in this moment. So how do you move between the two of those in a way that is healthy and helpful rather than picking one or the other or just giving up? I think having children helps a lot with this. Sometimes you can redirect your kids and it works. They might get upset about something and you can just redirect and they're on their way to something different. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes they fall apart. And so you got to stop what you're doing. And sometimes just listening to them is what they need. They just need a witness. That's true for us too. Sometimes it does work just to be like, okay, no, I can't have thoughts like that. I'm going to switch my thoughts. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes we need a minute just to throw a tantrum and to fall apart for a minute. Sometimes that just needs a witness. Sometimes just having a good cry and saying, this is hard. This is really hard can be so cleansing and so meaningful and satisfying. But certainly there are times those feelings just need a witness. They just need to be. And then suddenly things can make more sense or you're more open to trying to have that positive attitude again. There are definitely times that we need to allow ourselves to be human and to fall apart every once in a while. That's very true. It's especially true when things are especially hard. Choosing one or the other isn't actually helpful. And being able to switch between I'm feeling a lot right now or I'm doing a lot right now is helpful. I just had a big, thick packet of paperwork I had to fill out for work. And I hate paperwork. I've been putting it off for weeks. And I finally just bowed my head, took a deep breath and told myself, I'm just going to do this for five minutes. When I was able to convince myself that five minutes was doable, I can do that. I started in on the paperwork and realized, you know, this isn't that bad. I can do a little bit more. And before I knew it, I was most of the way through the packet. Just bite a little bit off. Just do a little bit. If it feels overwhelming, just slow down. And I'm not saying trick ourselves. If five minutes is all you can give, then just do five minutes. But at least you're getting something done. We tend to think binary, it's all or nothing. I either am a superhero or I'm a complete failure. And it doesn't have to be either of those. It can be somewhere in the middle. And we can take life in smaller doses if that's all that we can handle. Another important thing is having the courage to reach out. Reach out and ask for help or reach out and just connect with someone. Getting outside of ourselves can also be important. While we're isolating, that's not given to us. So sometimes making a phone call, sometimes that will look like, hey, I just need to connect with someone. Sometimes that'll look like asking for help. For me, I can get into the mindset that I got to do it myself and that's not really healthy. So for me, it does take courage. Courage is the word. I'm not exactly sure which fear I'm fighting. Maybe the fear of being weak. I don't know. But for me, it does take courage to reach out and ask for help it's important for people to remember that there's a big hole in your emotional support network that just happened. And that's not something that you just have to handle that that kind of a hole, although it's not exactly the same because nobody else out there is your spouse, but that hole can be filled to some degree with other kinds of connection and other kinds of emotional support. And so whether it's reaching out spiritually to spiritual teachers or just the universe, 
or to extended family or to friends or even finding a support group or a therapist, filling that hole at least part way is going to be a really important thing. But that takes reaching out and it takes work and risking. It's always a risk to say, I need you to be here for me or I need help right now or even just, I know you're my friend. Can you be more my friend? And you don't know, but you might happen upon someone that also needs to reach out to someone and connect with someone. So it sounds like if I'm coming at this from somebody who's not in a frontline family, but who wants to support someone who is, that one of the best things that I can do is to be more of a friend, to give grace, to understand, to try and be there for somebody and not to push them away, even accidentally even because those fears in the backs of our minds are working on us and we are either distracted or worried about them being contaminated to mentally get over that and try and be there. But it sounds like another thing that people who are kind of on the outside watching can do is to be a resource. And there's so many instances where it's just me and I'm trying to do everything I can't go grocery shopping. I have the children. I can't do that. There's a lot of things that I feel like I just don't have time to do or I don't have the resources to do or I shouldn't do because I'm stuck having these responsibilities with no relief. And so it might be really helpful to ask, are there things that you feel like you can't do? And can I be that resource? Can I go pick up your groceries or whatever that is, whatever that looks like? Do you have any other ideas about things that people might struggle with being on their own? In situations where it's a young family that can't leave the house except for with all of her children, it would be amazing just thinking about how I was in that position when my husband was deployed. It would be amazing to just have someone call and be like, hey, I'm fulfilling an order at the grocery store. Do you need anything? Can I pick up anything for you? With social distancing, you can't really offer to come and help clean their house. Or you can if you want to wear a mask or something. But certainly with a situation with a young mom with young children and her husband is always gone, like basics, she might not be getting time to even shower and taking care of herself. She might be up late with kids. She might have a newborn that she has to wake up in the middle of the night with and still has to wake up and take care of the rest of her kids. And so in that situation, the structure and the schedule is out the door. It's extremely challenging. Thinking back to when my husband was deployed and I had an infant and a toddler schedule? What's that? (laughs) That was the most insane time of my life. And truly, it can be an amazing blessing for people to reach out and help. For me, assisting me to better fulfill my own responsibilities was the best help. I had an amazing friend who offered to take my kids once a week so that I could have a couple hours to myself. And I think without that, I would have gone under for sure. I lived for that. Not that I didn't love my children. I do, but I didn't have the management skills. I didn't have the self-management skills, let alone the household management skills at that time in my life. And I also didn't have control over my thoughts very well. I let the negative thoughts just kind of go and I didn't stop them. And I didn't know that I should stop them or could. For me, it's when people offered to come in and help me clean or take my kids for a little bit so I could go take a shower. (laughs) Basics that you don't think about. Some of these young moms, if they just get to take a shower, if they just get to read for a little bit or do some of the basics, that's amazing. Just having someone to talk to certainly was helpful. For me, it was better to have someone there that was face-to-face 
maybe go sit out on their front porch or something so you can be six feet away and outside. But having someone to talk to face to face, for me, it was not helpful to do a phone call most of the time because it was difficult to take care of my kids and talk on the phone at the same time. But I could do face to face and take care of my kids at the same time. That's a really good point that you can be creative. I could go into someone's yard and weed. Right now, weeds are popping up everywhere. That doesn't involve getting too close or being exposed to anything. And so there are things that we can do. We just have to be a little creative either about how we do it or thinking about what to do. But I also think if I were in that position, either I wouldn't ask. My first impulse would be like, no, no, don't weed my garden. Or if someone called me and said, what do you need? I wouldn't think of that. And so it might be useful for people to say, I can see that this might be a need. Would you like me to? Or I want to come over and do this. Or this is how I thought we could do this. And it relieves them of the burden of actually being creative and thinking it up and figuring out how it's going to work. Because there might not be a lot of leftover creativity and thought. Certainly not. Somewhere I read that humans are capable of making about 20 decisions a day. I read that once and I was like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm like (laughs) done with kids at the end of the night. I'm like, I'm I'm done making decisions for the day. That's it. Yeah. And you get into this, okay, do whatever you want. I don't care. (laughs) Or I don't know what we're having for dinner. I will never know. So just go find some food, please. Well, and I think too, one thing that an outside person might not think of is that I am looking around for people to not entertain, but to cheer on. So my younger kids are playing and playing and I have to be there for that. But somebody else, we use Marco Polo, could listen to my kid talk about what they did that day at school and tell them how wonderful it was. And it would really help. And so also ways of supporting and cheering on the rest of the family could be really super helpful and relieve a burden. So I'm not the only engine for learning in this household. And there's so many mediums now that you can do that. There's Facebook Messenger Kids and there's Zoom and there's Skype. And like you said, Marco Polo. That absolutely, just to shoulder the burden a little bit of raising the kids, absolutely. And I love that idea. Another thing we talked about was being a witness. There's so much good research on witnessing that we can't really get into, but it really, really helps for somebody to see what's going on, especially if it's difficult. If we expect the people in our lives who are going through this difficult thing, it can feel like a trauma. And to want them to always be like, you're doing great, right? You're a superhero and just telling them how great they are. Then there's no space left in that to witness when they're falling apart or they're really, really scared. So can you talk a little bit about how somebody might go about facilitating that witnessing process? A lot of us are in the mindset that we've got to fix their problems for them or make it better somehow. But sometimes really, like you said, it just needs a witness And in that way, a phone call might be nice when it's a no-stress situation. Sometimes when we just pose the question, how are you, the part of us that feels like we need to be tough or strong (laughs) might just be like, I'm fine. Things are great. But sometimes asking more specific questions, like, are you able to get time for yourself in the day at all? How is adjusting to this new life? going for you. Maybe questions like that that might just go a little deeper and take the back door into going past our defenses. If someone doesn't want to open up, they'll still sidestep the tough feelings. But also asking those questions helps those that are going through stress realize that you're sincere, that you really want to know, that you're really interested, and that you're probably a safe person to talk to and can take the guard down a little bit because of that. 
And it can be such a relief and unburdening to be able to put words to those feelings. And sometimes we need an invitation like that, someone asking us about it to be able to do that. I like that metaphor of opening a door. Just those questions are really good door openers that just let somebody choose for themselves what they want to share. But at least the door's open and the opportunity's there. A lot of us struggle with anything that feels like asking for help. And so it's nice when someone just opens the door for us a little bit and holds it open for a minute and says, hey, I'm here. (laughs) I do want to hear about it. Just be able to say, yeah, that sounds so hard. And the two important parts is just the empathy and the encouragement. Just saying like, I can hear that that's been really tough. And not too soon, because you don't want to minimize what's going on for them. But at some point, expressing encouragement and saying, this is such a hard thing. It's a good thing that you're a strong person and that you can do hard things and that I'm with you. I can do this with you. I'm here for you. Part of what makes things overwhelming is we feel alone. And so also expressing verbally that we're not alone, that we're here together. Even if we can't be within six feet, (laughs) we're still here doing this all together. We need each other. It takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to raise an adult. I just want people to know that they are loved and that they are capable of loving and that they are capable of facing these hard times, even if it feels overwhelming. If we don't feel capable, it's because we're trying to do it alone and that we can accept help and we can be help to each other. We can do this together. I just want to encourage everybody to hang in there and try to be happy and enjoy the little happy and joyful moments when they come. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Those are such wise words, and I hope that all of us can really be thoughtful about the people in our lives that might need some of this information and what we can do in order to support them and help them. And if it's us, what we can do to ask for support and really fill our buckets and be that village for each other. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. I really hope that you're able to take what was said today, think about somebody in your own life who may be in this situation, and then come up with a way that you may be able to help them out. This does not mean breaking any social distancing guidelines. Even just a phone call or reaching out to somebody electronically can be a huge benefit to them. Also, please be on the lookout for another special bonus episode we'll be releasing very soon. Uh, Voices from the front line, where we will hear directly from some of the people whose partners are on the front line and how it's affecting them. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, or if you have any questions or comments you want to share with us, please go ahead and contact us at our Facebook or Instagram accounts at Rekindle Love Today or on our website at makinglovetoday.com. We're going to have at least a few more of these special bonus episodes before we get back to our regularly scheduled interviews. Thanks again for listening, and please share this episode with somebody in your life who you think could really benefit from it. That's all for now, and I hope until next time you're able to find a way to stay in and make love in your life.